You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. Boy, it's good to be here with you this morning to share God's Word with you. People are still trying to recover from the storms, you know, and I've heard that some of the people were without electricity in those areas for many, many days. I know that we had a team of people there working yesterday in the Moore area trying to help with relief and recovery. Um, I I remember there was a time when we um, uh, lived in Ohio just a few years ago that we were without electricity for about three days. That was the longest that since Annette and I have been married that we've ever gone without electricity. And, um, you know, you don't think to turn light switches off sometimes when the electricity goes off. And you know that feeling I'm talking about when all of a sudden the lights come on and you're just like, oh my goodness, what a difference, you know, the light makes. It was amazing when the lights came on. I, I think we've talked some about it. But in the New Testament, the words light and darkness are used metaphorically. And so, so light represents God and what is good and what is pure and what is right. But, but darkness represents evil and sin. I, I, I don't need to tell you this morning there's a lot of darkness in this world that we live in. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of people hurting each other. There's a lot of darkness in this world. And, and one day, Jesus looks his disciples in the eye. And you know what he says to his disciples? He says, you, you are the light of the world. And in all of this darkness that's around you, you're light. So shine. And as you shine, you are going to point people to Jesus. And so Jesus actually sees us in that regard. He sees us as light in this darkened world. We're going to penetrate the darkness. And as we shine, here's the plan. We point people to Jesus. So we're going to open the Bible this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter chapter 5. And I'm going to start reading again like last week with verse 13. And then we'll read through verse 16. Let me, let me mention this to you first. What if, what if a moment ago when, when I stood up to preach, uh, I would have said to you, would you stand? And so, you know, you're, you're always very gracious if we ever say, would you stand? Everybody stands. And, and what if in that moment I would have started kind of preaching? And, and in, in a little while, we got to the Scripture, and I read the Scripture, and then after the Scripture was read, I just kind of kept going. And about five or six minutes into this thing, you're beginning to think, wait a minute, he, he has forgotten and left us standing here. And, and some of you maybe would begin to become a little bit irritated and might have thoughts of, if he expects me to stand while he preaches, he's got something else, you know, coming here. You can always count on Danny, can't you? And probably at some point, some of you would be saying, okay, if they want us to stand while this guy preaches, why did they put all these padded seats in this room? 
Well, the reason we put all the padded seats in the room back in 1969, or they did when they built it, was because it is our custom that when a preacher preaches, he stands and everybody else is seated. But that was not the custom of the rabbi. When he taught or preached. In fact, the custom of the rabbi was that he would have a seat. And it was often the custom that everybody else would stand while he was doing his preaching or teaching. And so where we are in chapter 5 of Matthew is in the Sermon on the Mount. And so the Word of God says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, that Jesus went up to a mountain and he sat down. And his disciples were with him and he began to teach them saying, and what happens in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's chapter, Matthew rather chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about this. This is what a disciple's life looks like. This is how a committed follower lives his life. This is what the life of a committed follower lives his life like. And so we're kind of jumping into the middle of that conversation, that sermon, in, in verse 13. So let me, let me put the words on the screen for you, and I'll read those to you. Here's what Jesus says. Um, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I'm going to pause a minute. I'm probably going to drive these guys crazy. But, but last week, we, we talked about the fact that you were salt. And, and before you left last week, in, in starting the series on salt and light for a few weeks, I gave... You remember everybody received rather a, a packet of salt. And I asked you to put it somewhere, to keep it somewhere where that all week it would be a reminder to you that, that you are salt. And so lots of stories. One guy was telling me that he, he travels a lot in his work. And he said, I was, I was traveling and, and I went through security and I took everything out of my pocket and put in, you know, the stuff. And, but he said, I guess I forgot about the salt. And so... They challenged me that there was something in my pocket, and I assured them that nothing was in my pocket. And finally, I reached in and I pulled out this, you know, I don't know that white powder is a good thing to be caught with in an airport or not. So he said, I'm finding myself saying to the people in security, well, I go to this church and the pastor wanted me to remember that. So, you know, go through all that stuff. One, one guy emailed me and a couple of people actually said this to me. Are you going to pass out light bulbs this week? You know? The best was someone who says to me, when do you think maybe you might be able to work up a sermon on M&Ms? <laughs> so Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? What's it good for? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Have you ever tried to hide a city on a hill? It just seems impossible, doesn't it? Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. What do they do with that lamp? Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus says in the same way, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds 
and praise your Father in heaven. I went to breakfast uh, last week with a gentleman who attends our church here. He's very, very faithful. He's been here for years and years. And he says to me at breakfast, he says, I I wanted to talk to you about the statement that you made in your sermon a few weeks ago. About driving on Rockwell and you saw the guy holding the sign that said, you know, anything will help, God bless. And, And how you didn't make eye contact with him and then you were disappointed in yourself. Yeah, I remember the story. He says, well, you know, Several months ago, almost a year ago, God began to challenge me. I wasn't for sure what God was asking me to do, but eventually, here's what it came to. I, I went and I bought some, some gift cards from a fast food restaurant. And uh, so when I would see one of those people standing with the cardboard sign on the side of the road, I would, I would park my car and I would, I would walk through the traffic and, and I would go up to the person and, and I would engage in conversation. I would tell them their, my name and I would ask them their name. And, and then I would say, well, I, n- I noticed you have your sign here and, and you're needing some, some help. And so I have a gift card that, that I bought that I'd like to give you. And I would give them the card. And then he said I had a little pamphlet that I, that I had that really discussed God's love through Jesus Christ, his son. And if, if, you, if you don't mind, I would like to give this to you. And then, and then I would try to engage in conversation. And I would, I would kind of go as deep as they were willing to go in conversation about their life, about whatever, about, you know, I wanted to be a witness for Christ. And, and then after I realized the conversation was, was finished, I would ask if I could pray for them. And so he said most, most always, there were a few exceptions, but most always they, they said, sure, you, you can pray for me. And so I would stand there and I would lay my hand on their shoulder and I would, I would pray over them and pray God's blessings in their life. And so he said, I don't know how many people, I did not feel that I could pass one. I felt that God was leading me and I would just stop and I would make my way through the traffic and I would go and I would have this conversation. He said, most of those people would, would try to identify with me and, and, and they would, they would state that they were Christians as well. And he said, I didn't do any real study on this, but just in what I experienced, my sense was that with only an exception or two in all of those months that I did this. And many people I would go to more than one time. They probably had chosen this as a way to, to gain money. And, and honestly, he said they got pretty good at, at conning people out of their money. They, it it kind of became an art for them. And, and that was kind of the life they had chosen he said, finally, when we came to Thanksgiving this last year, I, I put together this flyer. And so every time I would stop, I would give out one of these flyers and I would say to them, you can invite your friends. And, and I invited them to Johnny Carino's to a Thanksgiving feast and I was going to buy their dinner. And I didn't know how many would come. And so when I, when I got to Johnny Carino's at that particular night, I said to the hostess, told her what I was doing. And she said, well, how many? And he, I don't know. Well, he said, why don't we try 10, a table maybe for 10? But I don't know. Maybe no one will come. And he said, three people came. And so I, I, I gave them whatever they wanted to eat. They ordered whatever they wanted and I bought it and we talked and I, I worked hard to be a strong witness for Jesus. And he said, after that dinner, I haven't continued to stop. 
Someone asked me, he said, was anybody's life changed in all those months that you stopped to talk and pray with all of those people? He said, my answer to them was, I, I know of one life that was changed. My life, he said, was changed. Here I was, praying over people that I didn't know, talking to people about Jesus. But he said to me, if, if God was leading me, and I sensed that God was leading me, that's why I did what I did. I'm not for sure I understand the purpose in it all or what was accomplished. I, I guess some days I feel a little confused about it all. I don't know exactly what to think about it. And I said to him, you know, do you think it could be this simple? That because of who you are, you live with this desire to make a difference in somebody's life? I mean, you want your life to count for something that matters. And you were so uncomfortable with just driving by them time after time after time that finally you just said, i got to do something. I've got to try something. I've got to engage in conversation. i got to do something. Could it, could it be that simple? What I was asking him was, were you just trying to let your light shine? He said, maybe. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. I, I got a feeling, I'm looking into the eyes of some people this morning who says, Rick, I get that guy. I, I understand it. I know exactly what that guy was doing. Because I struggle. I want my light to shine. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to penetrate the darkness. I want God to use me. I want to make a difference in somebody's... I want somebody's life to be changed because God uses me. And I get tired of just doing nothing sometimes, of just passing those people by. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention to the moon. Um, I, I don't pay a lot of attention to a lot of things. My wife wishes that I would see things, and I just don't see them. Uh, did, didn't you think those flowers were pretty? Oh, there were flowers over there? No, I didn't notice any flowers. But, but the, the thing I do notice is, is when it's really light outside and it's nighttime. And I find myself looking for the moon. Wow, look at that moon. Look how bright the moon is tonight. I mean, look at how the moon just lightens everything up. But, but I learned when I was a kid in school that the moon has no light of its own. That the moon only reflects the light of the sun. So it's the way the sun is positioned and the moon and the earth that the, that the sun hits the moon. And all of this light reflects off the moon onto the earth. And so we go out at night and we say, look how light it is out here. It's a full moon and no clouds in the sky. Don't you think it's interesting that Jesus 
looks at his followers, his disciples, and he says to them, you are the light of the world. And the reason I think it's interesting is because in John 8, you know what Jesus says about himself? I am the light of the world. Anybody, anybody, anybody who follows me will not continue in darkness. But here, Jesus says, you're the light of the world, Wayne. You're the light of the world, Tim. You're the light of the world. And what I realize in all of that is that I have no light of my own. And the only hope I have of making a difference in anybody's life is simply reflecting the light of Jesus. If, if I can somehow be a reflection. So let's think about how Jesus talks about that. I remember, I remember reading a story about a preacher who in the early 1960s moves to a new city to pastor a church. And so one day he gets on the city bus. He's only been there for a few days. He gets on the city bus and he doesn't have change. And so he hands the bus driver $5 bill to pay his fare. And the bus driver gives him his change back and he goes back and he sits down on the bus. And when he sits down to put his money away, he counts and he realizes that the bus driver has given him a dollar too much in change. And so he's sitting there looking at this money, realizing that he has been given too much change and he says, I knew in my heart I had to take the money back to the bus driver. Now this is in 1961 or two, so a dollar was a little more than a dollar is today. And so when he gets off the bus at his stop, he says to the driver, I'm sorry, sir. And he pushes a dollar toward him and he says, you made a mistake. You gave me a dollar too much change. And so the bus driver says, I didn't make a mistake. And the preacher looks at him and he says... I decided a few weeks ago that I was going to start going to church. I've never gone to church. I heard you were new in town. Your church is in my neighborhood. I wanted to see if you were a man of integrity. I'll see you Sunday. And the preacher says, I get off the bus. And there's a bench there at the bus stop. And I sat down on the bench. And I felt the weight so heavy. That people are watching my life. So here's how Jesus says it. You are light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You ever try to hide a city on a hill? It's impossible. People are watching you. You can't hide from that. Well, I don't want people to watch me. That doesn't matter. Well, I don't like the fact that people are watching me. That doesn't matter. I might mess up. I don't want to be, you know, held responsible. That doesn't matter. The fact is that people are watching your life. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, Jesus says. And you are influencing people every day that you live your life. You want to know why? Because you are light. My, uh, my mother, you know, has had such an influence on my life. And so, so my mom has always challenged me with the scripture. And she says, Rick, you have, 
you have got to put on your sandals and you've got to put that cloak on top of your tunic and you have got to get on that road and you have got to walk with Jesus and his disciples and you've got to feel that dust in between your toes. You have to imagine yourself there. If you're really going to get the message of the scripture, you've got to listen to the words of Jesus as you're walking along with him. You know, we're, we're, we're challenged in that. You're going to go home today, right? You got carpet on the floor at your house? You got a refrigerator in that kitchen? You sleep on a mattress? You understand, 2,000 years ago in Palestine, none of that existed. And, and so when I open the New Testament and I, and I begin to read, I, I find myself really challenged to, to put myself in, in that setting. Once in a while, once in a while, when I go to a third world country, I feel like maybe I'm getting a little bit of a taste of what it was like in that land. I don't know about your house, but we have several rooms in our house, probably for the common person who lived in the day that Jesus was teaching and preaching. Rooms, houses rather, only had one room. It was about 18 by 18 square, typically. According to scholars, it, it, it had a dirt floor. It was made of mud brick. The roof was thatched. It had one window, typically, a round window. And the light in that house was a lamp. You know what the lamp looked like? It was a bowl. You know what was in the bowl? Oil. You know what was in the oil? A wick that was floating on top of the oil. You know where you put that bowl with oil in it with a floating wick on it? You put it on a stand. So, it's a little bit hard for me to understand, but I take it for granted. We have, we have matches at our house. We have lighters at our house. They didn't have matches or lighters. Yeah, but they had the flint thing, right? They could do that deal. It took skill and time. And so when you got fire, you kept fire. Keeping fire was important in the world. So when you left the house, you take the light off the stand. And you set it on the floor for safety's sake. And you know what you put over it? Like a bushel, a bowl, an earthen bowl. When you come back home, you take the bowl off, you put it back on the stand. And, and so you're getting the picture a bit. That when Jesus makes a statement, nobody is confused. Everybody understands completely what he's talking about. You don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, that's for when you leave the house. When you light a lamp, where do you put it? You put it on the stand. And it gives light to everybody in the house. And then Jesus comes out with these words. So let your light shine. Share it. You don't hide it. You don't try to cover it up. Sometimes God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, reminds me that I have something that can change a person's life forever. Sometimes God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, makes me very aware of the fact 
that I can share something with somebody that will have eternal significance in their life. You don't want to sit on that. You want to share that. You don't want to keep that to yourself. You want to give that away. I know I hit it pretty hard last week, but I feel like I need just to remind you. He doesn't say you should be salt or you could be salt. And he doesn't say you should be light or you could be light. He says you are light. What does it mean, Rick, when he says we are light? It means we don't have another plan. And so if anybody is going to see Jesus reflected, it's going to be reflected. It's going to be that he's reflected in your life. If anybody is going to experience the love of Christ, they're going to experience it through you. If anybody is going to experience life change by the power of the Lord, it's going to be because they saw something in your life. You are the light of the world and we don't have another plan. God is depending on us to shine. You know, we come, we come here every, every Sunday. And, and I stand up and I preach every Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, um, sometimes I do it, but I don't, I don't really like preaching other places too much. Um, I, I struggle. It's hard. Because it's, I guess it's, 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 my, it's my understanding of preaching. I, I think that it's, it's about a group of people who are living life together and are being transformed together into the image of Christ And what I believe that I do on Sunday morning is I stand up and I open the Word of God. And somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God reveals truth through His Word. And we are changed. And so it's it's not that, that I want to go anywhere and act like I'm an authority and can just tell everybody, this is the way you do it. I think it's that we're figuring it out together. And sometimes I get up and I say to you, I'm weak right here. But let's figure this out and let's let the power of God change us. And let's grow together and let's become what God wants us to become. I I think that's what we're doing right here, right now. We're opening the Word of God and saying, let's somehow just trust in the power of the Holy Spirit and believe in divine revelation that somehow in this moment even, God is making us into the image of His Son. And so I don't, I don't think this is so much about what you do as it is about who you are. Yes, amen. And who you are becoming in Christ. Yes. He doesn't say you should do light. You are light. This is about who you are. And then what you do flows out of who you are. And so Jesus puts it in these words. So here's what you do. You let your light so shine. That people will see your good deeds. They'll see who you are. Because what you do is a result of who you are. What you do just flows out of what God is doing in you.
And as people watch your life and they see who you are by what you do, then it will point them to God. They will see your good works and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. So people watch your life and you just do what it is that that you believe you do in response to what God is doing in you. And you will point them to Jesus. Rick, why is it? Why is it that I live my life with this gnawing? Why is it that I live my life with this yearning that I want to engage with people in conversations about Jesus? Why is it that I live my life looking for those opportunities? Why is it that it just kind of eats at me? Because that's who you are. Rick, why do I never talk to people about Jesus? Why do I never consider talking to anybody about Jesus? Was it never on my radar to influence somebody toward Christ? Because. Those are words that are too hard to say. They're too hard to face. I don't feel like the prayer that I need to pray is, Lord, make me a witness. I think the prayer I need to pray is, Lord, change me. Transform me. Um, a guy named Lloyd was part of our church for the last 10 years he had a brother named Marty he just chose different paths in life Marty Marty struggled with drug use He was somewhat functional for years, but then it just overtook him. And I remember going with Lloyd one day to see Marty in a residential treatment center. It was a better option than jail time. But but it was there that God got a hold of Marty's heart. And for the last three and a half years that I was in my last church, Marty was a part of our our lives and our church family. God changed this man's life. It wasn't long before Marty is standing beside me on Sunday morning down here and we're dedicating his grandbabies because he had his family coming to church. When people like that, man, when they experience the, the grace of Jesus, they, they just become very contagious. And I remember one day talking to Marty. It was on a Sunday morning after church service and I said, Marty... For you, it was Lloyd, wasn't it? Wasn't it always Lloyd? He goes, it was always Lloyd. He said, everybody in our family knows that Lloyd is different than the rest of us. And all of my life, I would look at Lloyd, knowing I needed what it was that made Lloyd so different from us. 
I wanted what it was that Lloyd had. He was consistent. He was always there. He always loved me. Sometimes it was pretty tough love, but it was always love. But there was always something about Lloyd that I didn't see anybody else in my family. Lloyd was different. You, you, you know what he's saying, right? Lloyd was light. He was shining into my darkness. Jesus says, you are light. So let your light shine. You want to you stand with me? I wonder, I wonder if you would say, Rick, this is, this is who was light in my life. I mean, I can, I can name some names. I, I kind of wondered this morning when I was praying if, if there would be like people here this morning who would say, I'm not following Jesus Christ with my life. But I can sure tell you who the lights have been in my life. And so I wondered who you would name, like it would be a mother father, a grandmother, a Sunday school teacher in your past, a pastor that you remember, an aunt, an uncle, somebody that you work with. You'd say, boy, that, that person is a light for me. And, and if I'm ever going to become like them, then I need what it is that make them so bright. Because what I'm asking you to do this morning is to invite the light of the world into your life. To invite Jesus into your heart. So in a moment we're going to sing together and we're going to pray together. I'm going to invite you if you want to come forward and pray at an altar. You can do that. You may say, I've never been to an altar. I don't know what an altar really is all about. It's a place to pray doesn't mean you're becoming a member of our church. It just means you've found a place to pray. And if you really want somebody to pray with you, it's a great place to come. And if you just get my attention or Pastor Mikel's attention or Bob's attention or Harlan's attention, we'll come to you and we'll pray with you. You may be saying, Rick, I, I want to be a shining light and I don't know how bright my light is right now. I want to be 100 watt. I might be 25 this morning, Pastor Rick. I've got to shine. And, and I need the transforming work of Jesus in my life. I want this to be who I am. I want you to feel free to come. I know it's been a hard week for some of you in our congregation. We've had deaths this week if you want to come as a family and kneel here and pray any family any individual if you're going through a tough time and you just want to talk to the Lord feel free to come this morning and kneel at the altar and pray if you want to be prayed for for healing the word of God says that we can anoint you with oil and pray for you we would love to do that for you this morning just get our attention and we will do that so let's sing and if you want to come and pray you're welcome welcome to do that let's sing.
You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.